Welcome to another episode of Retrovaniacs, the only podcast called Retrovaniacs that you're going to listen to today. I am your host, Jeremy Parmentier, along with our other host, Jeremy Gregory. Hey there. And Billy Holiday. Hello. And this week we're going to take a look at an NES classic, Little Nemo the Dream Master. But before we get into that game, what have you been playing since last time, Jeremy? Well, um, I mentioned a few podcasts ago that I was kind of trying to beat Banjo-Kazooie from the Rare Replay collection on Xbox One. And I kind of put it off, and I finally really got into that this last week. I had some time to just kind of sit down and go through the classic that is Banjo-Kazooie from the Nintendo 64. And that game really holds up really well. I was actually kind of shocked at how much I still enjoy it. There's, There's some problems with that camera that camera is a nightmare a lot of the times you know it's totally still doing the whole uh super mario 64 thing where there wasn't really a right analog stick back then you had to use the four face buttons to control the camera you move it left and right or whatever but it doesn't get in the way too much there's definitely some parts which drive me crazy but overall i I think that game is is just a classic i i love that game to this day and uh, I'm getting really close to, to finally finishing that. I, t- I don't think I actually ever beat that when I was a kid. I got really close, but I was kind of looking through a walkthrough uh, just to seeing, what, you know, seeing how far out I was. And there was a stage that I don't really remember going through. So I think I'm actually going to beat this game for the first time, even though I swear to God I beat it as a kid. But I, I may just be misremembering it. But that's really, that's really all I've been playing and just having a super fun, t- super fun time playing through that game again. Now you're playing it on the on the rare replay collection. Does it have any kind of camera control, or is it still the original lack of camera control? Uh, it's it's basically trying to map the face buttons to the right analog stick. So if you press down on the analog stick, your camera will zoom out, like it did on the 64. If you press the I forget what button B or something, and um, if you press up, it'll zoom in. But uh, your left and right camera angles are controlled by just pressing left and right on the, the analog stick. It's not perfect at all. In fact, it's, it's really bad for the most, you know, sometimes, but that game was made in a way that it didn't actually, for the most part, when you would get to a spot where you needed a good camera angle, the game would kind of do it for you. So it's, it's not too bad, but it's, it's definitely something that it, it pops up every now and again. I'm just like, man, things have gotten so much better since this, this is just, this is really awful. Yeah, I, I feel that way a lot when I play any of the, the early 3D games for either the 64 or the PlayStation or you know anything where it was the, the 3D platformers at the time where, yeah, they just really didn't have the camera down. Like, now it's, it's pretty much down to a science, and we're kind of spoiled by it. But uh, it's still, they're still worth playing most of the time. I, on the other hand, went and bought two games on sale uh, on the, the 3DS um, eShop. 
I bought Etrian and Mystery Dungeon and Persona Q because I need more games to take 100 plus hours to get through. Uh, and of course, then when I bought those, I realized I never did finish the original Etrian Odyssey remake. So I'm playing that uh, because I want to make sure that I never make any progress in anything. Uh, I don't know if you guys have played any of those games at all, the Etrian Odysseys. They're a lot like the old wizardry games where it's you know first-person dungeon exploring and everything's extremely brutal. I've, I've heard of them, but I've never actually played them. I know you're crazy and, and really like those kind of games, but uh, I think really about the only thing that I've played close to that would be those, um, oh, that one PC game that I mentioned recently. I can't quite remember the name of it. Grimrock, Legend of Grimrock. Yes, Legend. I kept wanting to say uh, uh, Grimlock. Um, it, it's yes. We'll just say that it is that game that I've played, and uh, but I uh, I I would like to get into more games like that because I really enjoyed what I played from that. But as a kid, seeing games like that just bored me instantly. I was a huge Bard's Tale fan and, and Wizardry and all the game. You know, the Ultimas, the original Ultimas, where it was a little bit slower, but I. I definitely love these games because you get to draw your own map. Don't you see how amazing this is? You use the 3DS to draw your map. I love it. I love every That's second of it. Great. It's pretty great. So I am. Yeah, I'm in the middle of playing those. That's like 300 hours of games that I will never finish. And so I can say for the next six years while we're doing this podcast, what I've been playing is one of those three games. So that'll save me a lot of time. What have you been up to, Billy? I, I really have played very little um, over the last couple of weeks. Nothing consistently. However... Starting Friday, I've been knee deep in that new Call of Duty that came out, uh, which I haven't played one in in, in years. And my son has has played them, and I've I've kind of glanced at them here and there. And he has he has assured me, even though he plays them hundreds of hours, that they're not any good. The new ones at all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I picked this this one up uh, upon his his recommendation. Recommendation and, and Jeremy uh, Gregory vouched for it also, and uh, I hold his opinion in, in high esteem. And I tried it out, and and it's it's decent, but I felt like such an old man when I first got on it. And I thought, this isn't my Call of Duty. You know, back in my day, we didn't fly through the air or, or run on the walls. Uh, and I felt terribly old for a bit. But after I sat down with it for a while, I've, I've I'm starting to get the hang of it, and I'm I'm running those walls just like the young people. Yeah, and, I've, and I'm highly enjoying it. I've got nothing but good things to say about it right now. I have not. Uh, eventually, I'll become infuriated by it and hate playing it, but continue to play it. But right now, we're still in the honeymoon phase, and I'm still rather enjoying it. I'm absolutely terrible at those games. Any any realistic, even if it's not that realistic, but I guess physics wise, realistic shooter, terrible, just terrible. I don't know what it is. I, I used to be good at those games, and all of a sudden I think everyone just got way better than me, and now it's not enjoyable. Call of Duty is the only one that's, that I'm consistently good at. Um, I didn't mention that I had actually played Fa- or Fable, Halo 5, uh, but, and I, I'm absolutely terrible at that game. I'm not the biggest Halo fan in the world, but since Halo 2, I've really enjoyed playing multiplayer. And I was really good at Halo 2 multiplayer. But over the years, I have just gotten to the point where I, I can't even, you know, run run in a straight line and not get killed by something. And I'm absolutely terrible at Halo 5. But Call of Duty, um, I'm strangely all right at that game. I, I'm not like, you know, MLG pro status or anything at that game. But I can do consistently well at just about any Call of Duty. And uh, Black Ops 3 is obviously the one that, that Billy's talking about. 
This one is uh, definitely one of the best Call of Duties I've played, probably since Black Ops 2. So, you know, if, if you've been kind of on the fence with, with Call of Duty lately, especially Ghosts wasn't that great. I know a lot of people didn't like that. Advanced Warfare was just absolute unbalanced chaos. Uh, but this one really seems like it is a return to form to the uh, the more classic Call of Duty that that really hasn't been around since since maybe like I, maybe even like Modern Warfare Three. So for the people that know what I'm talking about, this will make sense. But to you guys, I well uh, to you, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy P, you probably just like what nonsense are you fucking speaking here? But this is a really great Call of Duty, and and I imagine I will still be playing this one for quite a while. Well, it's a good thing you've, you've been playing a lot of Call of Duty because it got you ready for this week's game. Little Nemo the Dream Master for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Now, this is one I had... Uh, when it was when it was new, I guess they had a big spread in Nintendo Power, but I didn't know anything about the background to the game. Did you guys ever hear of Nemo before this this podcast? No, not at all, not at all. No, I had uh, I had never heard of this as a video game. I knew that it was uh, animated in one form or another. I can't remember if it was a film or a a, a series. I had no idea that it ha- it was a video game beforehand. I did. I I knew it was a a movie now but i didn't know at the time um i I did a little bit of research just to kind of figure it out so it's actually based on a 1905 uh like news strip comic you know like mary worth or garfield but it would go on for about 20 years um you know and then pretty much try to get re-established you know whoever owns the rights tries to re-establish it every you know 10 20 years or whatever well one of the the biggest attempts was in 1989 they put out an animated movie uh little nemo in adventures in slumberland uh, so that the game came out in 1990, it would be a tie-in to the movie. However, the movie didn't make it out in the U.S. until two years later. So the the point of it being a tie-in to a movie nobody saw didn't help. Um, and honestly, if I wouldn't have seen a, a you know it in Nintendo Power, I never would have bought this game. I mean, it's it's Capcom, which normally is a pretty good sign at this point. Uh, this is right you know around the same year they put out Mega Man Three, uh, right after Ducktales. Um, Rescue Rangers, all the games that I had that I loved that were good Capcom games. So there's a chance I would have grabbed this, but. I, I didn't know what the, the source material was. I, I thought this was like you know going to be like some super late NES game that I just never heard of because even as a kid I tried to keep up on the Nintendo titles, and I just have never heard of this, especially around that time. I I, I can't even I, I don't remember seeing this anywhere. Well, and, and I don't know if maybe because of the lack of a movie that after they released it and pushed it out they kind of you know lowered their expectation on how it would sell and what it would do. I mean, but I know I had it, and I know some other people I, I know had it because we had played it. Um, it it's essentially a, you know, a regular 2D side-scrolling action game, but instead of having a lot of fighting or um, you know, bosses really up until the very end of the game, all you're doing in each level is running around collecting keys to open the doors at the end of the level. And then in order to get to those keys, which are in different parts of the map, you have to feed certain enemies candy and that allows you to ride them or turn into them depending on what the creature is 
that will allow you to, if, for example, there's a frog in the first level. You give it three pieces of candy, it falls asleep, you jump on its back, uh, essentially you jump into its mouth, and then you use that frog to jump to higher places that you as Nemo could not do. And that's all you can do as Nemo is throw candy at things and jump. Animal suits or whatever they're supposed to represent, I guess just using the animals, uh, is really how you get all your other powers. There's, um, along with the frog, there's a, a lizard that allows you to climb on walls. There's a bee that lets you fly and shoot stingers at people. Uh, there's, a, there's a gorilla that punches. I mean, there's probably, what, about ten different, different things you find throughout the levels. Um, there's eight levels total, and the first seven are more or less the same idea that I just mentioned. You're looking for keys, you're you know, searching the whole level in a... In, an, in a way to find all of the keys to get to the next level, generally just avoiding everything. And then the last level uh, kind of changes to a different game. Yeah, yeah, it actually changes into a game on the last <laughs> level. Um, but all right, I, I just want to get it out of the way. You're, you're some little kid and you're in the middle of sleeping. I don't know if this kid is actually taking off, if he's sleepwalking around the house, what's happening. Someone shows up at your window, uh, gives you some candy so you take off with this stranger onto his magical ship off on an adventure. Uh, but this candy, and we have to get this out of the way. The way you, you throw this is my all-time most hated, and it showed up in a lot of Nintendo games. You throw this not in a straight line. You don't set it down on the ground for the animals to pick it up. You throw it in an arc. And I always hate when a projectile is, is thrown off in an arc because it, it adds an extra layer of difficulty to, to getting this thing aimed properly. And it's a fixed arc. It's not like it's something you control any kind of, you know, if you, if you hold the button down longer, it throws it farther. No, it's exactly the same little arc of candy over and over again. And the shitty thing is that that little piece of candy doesn't actually do anything other than, well, I mean, you can throw it at enemies and it will stun them, but it will not actually kill an enemy. So, you're just throwing this useless piece of candy at these enemies, and half the time you can hit them, half the time you can't. It just seems like it would be much better implemented if it would just go straight. There's no reason it should go in that arc, and it really almost instantly put me off to this game. Well, and, and the arc becomes a problem. Um, Nemo is very weak. Nemo only has three hit points, essentially, and there's not a whole lot of things that he can find that will regenerate his life there's like health boxes that fill all your life and then there's i think it's supposed to be milk i don't know it's a little jar of something that will give you one heart worth but everything you touch does damage to you if you hit any monster it does damage to you there's you know spikes in different levels that will kill you in one hit um, and then the animals that you're supposed to actually give the candy to can also hurt you so if you're in a place where that it's a pretty narrow window of what you're supposed to you know, where you're supposed to stand to have this arc of candy hit this thing perfectly. Uh, if you don't hit them soon enough, those same monsters will start walking back and forth, hitting you and killing you at some very inappropriate times, uh, making it the most frustrating <laughs> part of the game for me was when I was, you know, I'd finally get to the, the animal I need to use. And then I would, you know, for whatever reason, miss it with the arc and then bam, hit it two or three times and you're dead immediately. Just frustrating. It's yeah, kind not- of ridiculous just because just you're... 
when I first started the game, I did. I knew I could do the animal thing. I could, you know, throw the candy at or whatever. But a lot of the enemies, you don't even know which ones that you can uh, jump in their mouths or whatever. And I had that. I had that problem for the first few stages. I I wasn't quite sure what I could actually control. So I was sitting there for a lot of the enemies just trying to throw like candy at them for like a good, you know, three or four seconds before I realized I couldn't even do that. I I don't know. It, there It's just kind of weird how you do it. And I wish they would have picked a different way about going about that. Yeah. And I, I lost my, my first life of the game to one of the uh, so-called friendly animals on there. I came upon the, the frog and uh, he's very pleasant, very open and friendly looking frog. And I assumed that was it. So I threw one piece in and I walked into him. Yeah, that was it for me. You have to throw three, um, which it, it may have said, and I just was not paying attention. Yeah, you got him with three. So even the, the friendly ones uh, can damage you, which I, I thought was strange. I thought maybe if, if nothing else, just they should have no effect on you at all. I think I think the manual probably said it takes three pieces of candy. Not that any of us have the manual, um, but I, I'm sure that, that this is one of those games where the manual would have explained what each of the animals does, or at least the, the first few, to kind of give you an idea of, of how to play. Uh, but yes, otherwise you wouldn't know it takes three pieces of candy. And then when you give them so much candy, I guess they fall asleep and they have like a, a spit bubble that comes up. And that's how you know you can jump on their back or whatever it is you're supposed to do. Um, so the, the the levels themselves are pretty varied. I like the like the first level is that, that mushroom area. And I think it looked really good. I mean, for a Nintendo game for 1990, I think it looks pretty sharp, actually. Um the, the first couple levels are pretty easy. You have the mushroom forest and then a flower garden. And then the first level I had any real problem with was the, the house of toys slash the train level. I hate no. levels where you are forced to move, where there's, you know, like, I hate those Mario levels where you're, where you're supposed to constantly move because the screen's moving, and this is a whole level of that. It's the, the worst level in the game, in my opinion, uh, but also the one I had the most problems with. That one really caught me off guard, because I was totally expecting the game to just keep going with this exploration, find the keys, and get to the door at the end, and then that one starts up and it gives you like half the keys right before right at the very start of the uh, level. And then you're on this train and it starts moving. And basically all you're doing is dodging the enemies the entire way through. Since you can't kill them, you know, there's nothing you can, you can jump in to, to jump on top of enemies and kill them. And your candy will obviously not do anything. So you're just essentially dodging these planes and all this other bullshit that is dropping down onto you this, the entire length of of the stage and that was about the point i you know I, I wasn't too into the game in the first place and once i hit that stage i was like this is this is getting to the point of bullshit where i, I just don't want to play this anymore because i was not having any fun yeah and i could see that's where a lot of people probably 
uh, hit the wall on this one because it switches from uh, less action early on, I'd say more kind of exploration to just a, a pure, you know, kind of twitch action type thing. And I don't really think there's anything as difficult. Uh, that's about halfway through the game. And once you clear it, I, I really feel like you're kind of in the clear for the rest of the game. So it was uh, just very, uh, very out of place. And you talked about how, how good the game looks, but uh, at least one good thing I have to say, I have to give it credit for, is the music in this game also, especially that opening theme, uh, really grabbed me. I think it's really well done for this one. Yeah, the music is just classic Capcom NES. It's yeah. Great compositions all the way through. Yeah, the music's what I remember the most about the game, and and. The, the graphics in general, I do think it looks pretty good. I, I don't know why the Mushroom ones stick out. Maybe because it's the first level and I played it a bunch as a kid. But that's, in my mind, when I thought of the game, I thought of the music and then jumping on those those giant mushrooms that are bigger than the screen. Um, so, yeah, the, the train level is is terrible, but I did get through it. So did you not finish that level, Jeremy? Is that where you called it a day? No, I actually got through it. And then I got to um, I got all the way up to Nemo's house, and I saw that was just kind of more the same thing. And that's about when I quit. I, yeah. I just could not could not be asked to find any more of these keys. And I'm sure we'll get into this at some point, but, but a lot of those keys are hidden in the most inexplicable places that I, I did not feel like just hunting for invisible doorways th- throughout the entire stage to find the last key that I somehow missed. <laughs> You're talking about the sea level. There's only one level that has something that terrible in my mind that was the, oh, the, yes, the, yeah, the water level. Yeah. I couldn't find the one key, and the, you go down a, a dead-end pathway that nothing would lead you to believe there's a, a secret door there, and all of a sudden you pop up into a whole other screen that has a bunch of things to, to, to avoid and a key. Yeah, I, I had to actually look that one up. I couldn't find the last key in that stage. And I thought, you know, I could kill a lot of time on this, or I could just look up where it is and find the rest of the game so I can talk about more than three stages. I mean, they they could have totally just put like a little doorway there that showed like it was a cave or something. But it's just literally a dead end. And it took me so goddamn long to figure where that was at. I I ended up looking up myself and I I was actually mad when I did see that. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You have to walk into a wall to find this one key. And it would be all right if the stage gave you more keys than what you needed and the train stage actually does that you will get more more keys as you're going through that than what you'll actually need at the very end i think you can get a total of nine when you only need six to complete it but every other stage it seems like you have to have uh find the exact number of keys that are on that stage and it can be absolutely maddening if you think you've uh scoured the entire stage and you're still missing one key It, it just it killed it yeah, and I had uh, I had almost the opposite trouble in one of the later stages. I played through the stage, and I it had struck me I'd been playing the stage for about the length of how the other about how long the other ones go, and I hadn't found the first key. And at that point in time, I'm thinking I'm going to reach the end of this stage, and I don't have a single key to show for it. And yeah, that the water stage they got out of hand, kind of hiding them. 
I figured maybe this was even more advanced than that. And I keep going along just a little bit longer. And there, and I, I'm already stressed about it. I know I'm going to have to backtrack now. I know I'm going to have to probably look up online where all these things are hidden because uh, it's, it's late in the game. Uh, they're pulling out all the stops, I'm sure. I uh, advance forward a little bit more, and there are all the damn keys right there at the end of the stage, right next to the door, lined up for you. Now, I, I should have felt some sense of relief. I felt more insulted than anything else, though, at that point. <laughs> Why even do that, though? Why, Why would do you? It? Why? There's no reason that every other stage has been you searching these ridiculous spots on these huge maps. They're fairly large for a Nintendo game. Running all over the place, trying to find them. And then on that stage, it's like, here you go. You know, you make it all the way through, and it's like, here's all the keys at the very end. You, you win the stage. It, it's kind of insulting, yeah. The, the stage you're talking about, Billy, was the Cloud Ruin stage, which is towards yes. the very end of the game. There are parts in that level, two parts actually, where you're forced to go up as fast as you can or else you, you die if you go under the screen, which is another thing I hate in games. And then at the end of the level, it kind of does the exact opposite, where you have to go down the whole way uh, back to, to Earth because you basically go up in, into the clouds and find a city up there, I guess. And yes, you're right. When you get to the very end of the stage, there's like a steps that go down and each step has a key and then the doors at the end. It does seem kind of pointless, especially because two levels after that. So you go through the cloud ruins and then there's a, an upside down level that's super easy. I didn't have any problems with that one whatsoever. And then you end up in the last stage of the game in Nightmare Land. And that's where the game changes to where it doesn't care about keys at all. Keys no longer exist. You you have now have a weapon uh, that I didn't realize has two functions. I was just using it like a mace to hit people with, but you can actually have to uh, hold down the button and you'll charge up a shot that you can shoot up diagonally. This, this is the game. I would have liked a little bit more of this. I could have took eight levels of this. You have a traditional weapon. Uh, you can use it just kind of uh, melee on the smaller enemies, and you fight uh, a few larger enemies that you have to, yeah, you have to, to shoot uh, this uh, energy ball from it. You can charge it up and, and shoot a powered-up shot, or you can just fire off a, a quick one, and you take on, I think it was, uh, you got, obviously, last boss, and maybe, is it two other ones before him? Or kind of mini-bosses? And, oh, pack a lunch when you face them. I, I fought each <laughs> one of them no less than several minutes each. Uh, just they, they just absorb the shots from that thing. It's almost worthless. Yeah, they take a lot of damage. So the the last level is actually broken up into three parts. There's uh, the I don't I don't know if there's really any major difference in what they they look like necessarily. But the first one is kind of a you have to run, uh, just just run to the right trying to dodge lava and some spikes, and then you fight a giant penguin. Uh, the giant penguin's the first mini boss that you have to fight. Uh, once you beat him, you get to start at the next set of level at the next part of that level, which is uh awful this is this is my least favorite level in the game is the second part of nightmare land where you have to to climb up these 
it's basically like you're climbing up a cliffside, but then every time you you are near anything of value that you need to do, those stupid there's like these white puffball things that fall down diagonally from the sky and then will home in on you so you can't stand still very long or those things will hit you and you're trying to dodge lava spurts and if you miss a jump at all you basically go all the way down to the bottom of the level and have to restart what you were doing and you know like i said earlier you don't have a whole lot of health so there's no way to regenerate it and if you die enough times after you beat the penguin guy and have to continue you have to continue at the start of the very first part of nightmare land this is the part where I actually called it a day on this one. I've beaten it before, and I got to this level again, and I, all the rage came back from my childhood of playing this level. I hated it. I, after you get through the part where you climb up th- through all these lava fields you're trying to avoid, then you go to a level where the spikes keep falling down from the ceiling, uh, and you have to position yourself properly and make jumps in perfect timing to not get hit by the spikes. I didn't have patience for this. I'm, I'm impressed that you did, Billy. Well, well, I had I had the cartridge, uh, but I will admit that there may have uh, the cartridge may have sat aside, and there may have been some save states uh, involved. <laughs> only involved here at the end. This is the game. If I was a kid, it would have went straight into the game genie. I, I don't think I would have fooled around too long with this. Uh, yeah, it is a nightmare. Uh, but at the end, you're treated to the 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 last boss, the uh, the nightmare king, and. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. It's just a lot of memorization. He follow he you know throws out. Uh, he has one projectile that you can usually take down pretty quick, and he has like some lightning bolt type beams that come from the sky, and it's pretty predictable. And it's mainly just uh, just a war of attrition. It's just if how long can you pay attention and just keep firing off? I mean, once again, it's several solid minutes of of hitting this guy with this beam. But once he's defeated, you are you're treated to the ending, which I uh, satisfying enough. I, it's a Nintendo game ending. They're not usually the most extensive in the world. Yeah, but at least it was. It's more than just thank you for playing. It it does have it a, a pretty it lengthy is. ending. Uh, that that you know you you saved the the uh, the dream slumberland, I guess, from the evil nightmare land uh, nightmare lord, and brought peace to the world. And then you you know you use your wishes to get back home to your family. You know, which is how all those stories, I guess, would go. Um, I'm surprised you guys didn't like this uh, in some ways at all. You know, it, it, this is much like The Haunting, where it sounds like I, I didn't actually get to the end of The Haunting. And listening to you, you guys talk about the end of that game, sounds like you stumbled into a completely different game at some point. So, like, listening to the last, like, three or four minutes of you guys talk about this game doesn't sound like the game that I played. So, I don't know if I regret not playing it all the way through but at the same time i got so tired of playing what the game was offering that i didn't want to get to that point maybe it was rewarding enough for you guys to get to that point and and actually find a game that was you know not not totally whatever this game is which i just don't really enjoy but i don't know it it just sounds really crazy listening you guys talk about how this last stage is so completely different from from the rest of the game i got used to just being 
completely impotent with this guy. You can't even jump on an enemy and kill it. Your candy does nothing. You can't jump on anything. You're dodging everything. And then all of a sudden, the last stage, you turn into this wizard with a gun or, or wand or whatever it is. So it's kind of crazy to, to really listen to you guys talk about it like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it takes a complete departure. Yeah, I mean, you are a... Uh, you're pretty weak throughout the whole game. Then you, you meet the, the princess who teaches you how to properly use your rod and then you just go in there and you ah. just and you and you put it to them for the rest of the game uh, there's sure nothing sto- there's nothing stopping you after that I, i'm not sure how to respond to princess tg how to use your rod i think that's pretty pretty solid <laughs> she does. i mean it was uh it was small and she made it uh, enlarged for you and <laughs> and it shoots things on occasion <laughs> and next thing you know you're you're, you're throwing it you're throwing it all over the place <laughs> Well, that's a much darker turn, I think, than I expected on this. Uh, I, I don't know. This is when I maybe it's because I had it as a kid, and I did spend a lot of time on it. And I really, I like the levels where you look for the keys, even though it's it is a little repetitive. I mean, you made it to Jerry made it to the uh, the house level, and that's the longest level. I think it's the most annoying of the key collection levels because you need to have certain mo- uh, certain animal helpers in a certain order, and and in some cases you need to get them. To just to get access to the other animal you need, and if you didn't know there was a key in certain, there's like two rooms at the top basically that you have to get a bee and fly into the the ceiling into like the attic area. If you didn't know those were there, or didn't know that the second one was there, you could have lost your bee well before time when you need to to have that that bee to get that last key. You get all the way to the end, you'd never find that key. Um, if you die in that level, there's no midpoint. You start at the beginning every single time, which means in order to get to the animals you need to finish the rest of the level, even if you've already got all the keys, you have to go through the entire level each time. That one's pretty tedious. But I like that it's it's almost problem-solving levels. It's like, you, you know, you can see the key. Well, what animal will get me that key? Uh, I'll have to go find that animal. It's somewhere in the level. Sometimes you wouldn't know exactly why you have a certain animal, and then when you get to certain parts of the stage, it makes sense. Oh, okay, without you know the lizard, I couldn't climb this tree or whatever it is. I don't know. I, I think it's an, an interesting take on you know just a regular find everything you know uh, find all the widgets kind of game. I, I didn't yeah. mind the, the change at the end. I think the change at the end is good because it does make it mean more, and it it doesn't change as drastically as haunting where there really was nothing like what the end of haunting was till you get there this this you're still following the same you know gameplay styles you had before except now you actually have a weapon that can do something yeah and i i mean i didn't really enjoy this one too much but i think uh as a kid i really probably just for the sound and, and graphics alone would have given it a pretty solid pass i mean for for what it is on the nintendo uh, nice sounding, good looking game. But I, I have to ask: Did they get a little lazy on this? Does this kid look just like Mega Man to anybody else? He jumps just like Mega Man. He puts his arms and legs forward and jumps just like Mega Man. Yeah. Put a helmet on the kid and, and put some blue pajamas on him. <laughs> well, again, it's it's Nintendo and it is Capcom, so I'm pretty sure any of their games you could follow that same logic and it would probably look like Mega Man. But yeah, this is extremely Mega Man feeling. In, in fact, the last level has music that sounds just like a Mega Man, and you could put him in that level, and it would make total sense. Yeah. I was... I'm impressed for what the game is. Uh, You know, I I don't really honestly care for it myself, but it does a hell of a lot more than what most NES games ever tried to do. And going into this, I just kind of expected a standard, you know, 2D platforming kind of thing, which is mostly what every Nintendo game is. But 
you get something that's that's really kind of fun with you know with the idea of going around and collecting keys and these huge maps and and there's a lot of great decisions with it that like you know keeping your keys if you die so you don't have to go find all of them again it really feels like it's it's not punishing you too much but i just kind of got really bored playing it over time especially once i got to nemo's house and it's weird saying that since i'm really into banjo kazooie this week and i was actually asking myself why do i love banjo kazooie where i'm just going around collecting all this bullshit when Nemo is basically just asking me the same thing. And the only thing I could really come up with was that just I wish this guy had more sort of like a, an offensive attack or something. Because one of my biggest pet peeves in any video game is being powerless. The reason I want to play a video game is because I'm a weak man and I want to, to have power <laughs> in a video game. So coming into this and just dodging enemies, jumping over them finding other ways around them. I'm just like, well, this isn't, you know, it's not very fun to me. So that, that I think that was the biggest thing. And to find out that I have to play the entire game all the way through to the last stage before I finally get those powers, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think it's worth it. I wish he had those powers beforehand. I mean, I, I can see that because it definitely is, if you're looking for more action and less running from everything, then this is probably not a game you're going to enjoy. Because, yeah, up until you get the bee, that's the first person you get. Oh, I guess the, the gorilla and the bee both have attacks, but they're, they're not the best of attacks. So until you get those suits, you pretty much just run from everything, and stun it by throwing candy at other things, and, and generally just... I, I can see how this might not be for everybody, but I do think it's interesting. I think it looks very good for the time frame, and, and the music on it, uh, which I'm going to put a lot of in this episode, I'm sure, is excellent and, and probably the best part of the game. Totally. I would still recommend this to anyone. It's just not my cup of tea. It's This is totally objective. It is a great NES game. It controls great. It looks great. It sounds great. It's just a matter of uh, if you like doing this, if you if you like playing as this character and, and you know, the, what what their ideas were coming into this game. So I'm not saying it's a shit game. I'm just saying that I, I did not enjoy playing it probably as much as I wished I wished I would have. I'll, I'll agree. Also, I think there is some fun to be had. And I think this game might, I mean, it might be right up some people's alleys. And I think a big part of it maybe uh, is knowing what you're getting into uh, when you go into it. Uh, knowing that, no, you're not going to be, you know, shooting everything in sight. You're not going to be all powerful running around. You're going to be a, just a, a frail, small child, you know, dodging enemies, uh, collecting keys. Uh, not much action to it until the end. Uh, I think going into it, just assuming it was, yeah, like Mega Man, something like that, uh, you're you're obviously going to be let down. Uh, that's a bar of this game. Uh, does not even come close, even with the last level, come close to reaching. But I think if you go in with the proper expectations, uh, you could probably have a good time with it. Uh, I think if you were a fan of the Disney Capcom games, you, you probably would find this to be in that same vein. It's not as good as DuckTales, but it's probably better than Rescue Rangers uh, or the Mickey Mouse I one. I disagree, sir. That was a... I disagree as well. <laughs> Little Nemo, probably not for everybody, but definitely worth checking out, and uh, and it's definitely a quality game for the NES. That's all we really have to say about that game this week. Uh, but much like every other week, we like when we have a listener question. Do we have a listener question this week? We actually do, and uh, this week it is from Jaden. And Jaden writes in to ask, 
Hey guys, quick question. Do you have any games that you sold for a few bucks that would end up becoming super rare and or expensive? And if different, what you regretted selling the most? Thanks for answering the question. Keep up the great work on the podcast. Well, clearly he wrote to a different podcast because I don't know if we could say we put a lot of great work into this podcast, but thank you. Um, I, I guess I've, I've sold a lot of things when I, I lost my job uh, for a couple months three years ago and after i didn't find work for a few weeks i got panicked and started just selling all the stuff i had that would have been worth anything so i don't regret any of those because i needed the money at the time uh, for you know real adult things i didn't just sell it to buy another game or something the only thing i regret that i've sold though was before that i was i don't know what i was thinking i guess i just thought i was never going to play them anymore i sold all of my sega cd games uh, which oh. is probably about 12 to 13 Sega CD games, including both the Lunar games, Popful Mail, Snatcher is the one I'm really upset about. Oh, I sold wow. all of them for a total of like $40. I don't oh, know what I was thinking. Sure. I, oh, I'm <laughs> probably in the box. I, I think that was, I had to pay him to take it. But the rest of them, I, I mean, I sold it for, for nothing. And it was literally like the day after I sold it, I woke up and I was like, what did I just do? And now I, you know, since I was selling other games on eBay and actually seeing what they're worth, an original copy of Snatcher can get you a couple hundred bucks easy, and I, I sold all of it for forty dollars. I feel like a fool. You are a fool. That is that is a rough one. Snatcher especially, that, and, and Popful yeah. Mail. And that one is ridiculous. Oh man, yeah, all those games bucks, would have made me made, made me several hundred dollars, and instead I, I was just like forty bucks. I mean, this was before eBay was a thing, really. I just it was some guy. I, it was like, oh, I'm looking for Sega CD games. I was like, I have Sega CD games. Do you have $40? <laughs> and I just mailed them oh. to him. <laughs> I mean, I, I made the price up. I'm the worst. Did you try to get back in touch with him? No, I, I gave up on that a long time ago. I, I just figure, uh, that lesson learned. Lesson learned. So that time, when I did sell the other things later, I actually went and did research. And, and I made several thousand dollars off some items. So I can't complain. That's rough, though. Huh? That is that really is rough. rough. Well, mine's not nearly uh, as traumatic nor is foolhardy. Uh, but I, and actually, it's not a... Uh, I actually have two. I have two, one minor, uh, it, but both major at the time, at the, uh, the, the given age I was at. Uh, it really made it seem like uh, a traumatic event. And my first one was uh, not, not, not rare by any means, Super Mario Kart for the, the Super Nintendo, which I had picked up and, and quickly became my jam and my go-to. And I had a friend that came over, uh, most weekends, and we would play Mario Kart all weekend long. And his birthday was rolling around. And in, in school, he had uh, had chatted up that, you know, he, he didn't get a lot of things for his birthday. So I think his parents were going through a, a, a divorce or something or another. Anyway, it was not going to be a, a, a happy birthday for him on this occasion. And I was young and foolish and still felt like doing things to make other people happy. Uh, which I, I got out of probably because of this. Good for you. So I'd I, I lent him, or not lent, but actually gifted him my copy of uh, Super Mario Kart. Uh, and within hours, I think as soon as I'd left his house, uh, it hit me. And I instantly I spent the next week trying to figure out the best way to ask for it back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, because it hit me, I got home and I got thinking, you know, it's not my fault. Uh, Maybe his maybe his parents should have tried harder. Uh, <laughs> Why am I maybe, punishing myself? <laughs> maybe maybe his his father should have put in some more time at the office to make a little more money. Uh, I should not be without Mario Kart. But in the end, I, I came through, uh, 
and I just ended up buying another copy of it for myself. I, I think I did. I didn't do what felt good, but I, I did the right thing, I believe. That's it. That's my last official act of kindness. <laughs> but and the other one, the other one was a school bus trade that I made. Uh, oh, this shit. was on, yeah, yeah, uh, maybe eight or nine years old. And it was at the time I traded my MC Hammer Tiger handheld game for a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tiger handheld. Oh, God. And, 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 yeah, not the quality of the Hammer game at all. <laughs> I see it a lot. <laughs> Wait for next episode when we review the Tiger handheld <laughs> MC Hammer game. What? Can, what? I'll tell you, it was. <laughs> It was something at the time. Uh, you you danced as as a, another dance. You never got to control Hammer, which I had a lot of troubles with at first. Uh, you controlled a backup dancer, and Hammer would go through. It's like a game of Simon almost. Uh, Hammer would go through certain movements, and then you would also. I believe there were four buttons: uh, one for uh, each arm, and you had a button for each leg, and you would do your best to 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 break it down, just like Hammer. And it's very entertaining game. I put a lot of time into it, and that turtle turtles game just it just paled in comparison. Well, I don't I know if you can top that. Fathom Jeremy. that that you. To me, I, I mean, I had a lot of these Tiger Electronic things myself. Well, not a lot, but a few. I believe I had Carnov and Turtles and Top Gun and all that stuff. But the quality through throughout all of them were kind of the same. I mean, there wasn't much to them. So the, the fact that you're Saying that an MC Hammer game is is beating the quality of a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game is, is kind of hilarious to me. Oh, it's beating the quality of General Chaos. Oh, God. see, then why do we have to come back to this? Why do you have to keep coming back to this? There's there's no reason to keep twisting that knife because there's, there's just there's literally uh, you, you just can't do this to me. It's been done. Oh. Speak of speak of speaking of regrets of yours. Let's let's hear yours. <laughs> um, I, I guess I've got a couple myself. Uh, the one that that actually ended up being the most rare was uh, I, back when the Saturn was was having its fire sale and, and going out of business. Uh, GameStop, well, I guess uh, Electronics Boutique for me was was basically putting everything they had on clearance. And they had just kind of tossed it into the clearance bin. Had all these amazing Saturn games for like five bucks. And I ended up buying Panzer Dragoon Saga for the the super high price of $3.50. And, I, you know, you either like Panzer Dragoon Saga or you don't. But you can't deny that it turned out being one of the most rare Saturn games of all time. And probably the one of the most expensive that you can buy today. And I think about a month later, I sold it back to GameStop for maybe I, it was like less than three dollars for <laughs> for credit to some for some other stupid fucking PlayStation game that I didn't play for another you know three weeks after that. And that one always killed me because looking at those prices today on eBay, I'm just like, oh my god, why didn't I keep that game? It it was pretty damn cool for what it was, and and I always regret buying that one or you know giving that one back for what i did it's it's just it's it's maddening uh but the one i regret the most was was not actually a game it was a console and i had a an original panasonic 3do real multiplayer and several games with it and i actually sold that 
to a used gaming store back when the PlayStation first came out because I wanted some PlayStation games. I, I you know, I was fiending for some PlayStation games and I had this old 3DO console that I didn't play anymore and the PlayStation was fresh and new and totally wanted to play some more games for that. So I gave them that 3DO console and I probably a few games like a Road Rash and some of the best games, like Super Super Street Fighter 2, Turbo, amazing games for that console. And I think I sold it for a total of $75 credit, console oh. and games. And to this day, I have, I have never been able to get one of those back because the prices are so completely unreasonable. How and do you it, sleep? I, it's, most nights I don't because, you know, you wake up to a cold sweat of, of handing that console, gorgeous console. You say what you will about the 3DO, but that Panasonic 3DO was just a gorgeous console. And for $800, it should be. And I just gave all of that to, to that fucker who gave me $75, $75 total credit. I still remember that. If I, if I could still have the receipt, I probably would. But that one, that one was probably the roughest. And I, I still, to this day, hate myself the most for, for giving him that system. So, if you have a question for us, please... Send us a question on Twitter, I guess. We'll get that one. Yeah, send us a question on Twitter. Send us a question on Facebook. Um, you know, you can always check us out on Retrovania.net. I'm pretty sure there's some kind of contact information there as well. We're very good at this. Yeah. Um, but that'll give you something to do until next episode, when we'll be talking about uh, probably the, the most current system we're going to deal with, uh, Blast Core on the N64. Uh, this is one I also played previously uh, i started playing it again just to kind of get a feel for it and i'm looking forward to this one immensely so hopefully you'll uh, you'll listen to it. it'll be out in a couple weeks after this episode posts and we'll see you then